What's up, everybody? This is Mike Atkins from NerdsOnEarth.com, and as always, I am joined by... Adam from BackPatioNetwork.com. And we are here to talk about more My Hero Academia Vigilantes. Specifically, we are beginning our uh, in our discussion, picking up with the beginning of Volume 5, which is Episodes 27, 28, 29, and 30. So this is the beginning of a volume, huh? Yes, this was uh, okay. the, the last of our episodes, that Session Zero, Episode Zero, Chapter Zero thing was the very end of uh, Vigilantes Volume 4. Man, it really feels like they should have just kept these last two issues. Like, 27 and 28 could have just been the end of a volume with the way that it leaves off. That's true. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, that there there's, there does seem like a very big narrative yeah. like um, gap, Like a time path. gap or something, yeah. Yeah, there's a divergent... Uh, there's a divergence at the end of the first two of our episodes that we're discussing today. Sure. But I mean, I don't know, you know, they, they write these things serially in, in a weekly, um, you know, in a weekly, the Shonen Jump, I think it's weekly. I'm pretty sure it's weekly. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of hard, I guess, when you're working weekly to think in the kind of chunks that a normal manga volume might come in, but you would also think at the same time, and manga volumes are almost always relatively the same size and contain the same number of chapters, which is usually like eight or ten, maybe. This has got what? Uh, this has got eight in it. So if if you, if you know that that's the format, maybe you can work within it. But also at the same time, it's just like, eh, you know, it's fine. Um, it doesn't really break anything. No, it definitely it definitely doesn't. Well, let's go ahead and jump into twenty seven. All right. Uh, episode 27 is entitled, at least in the production manga, it's called Business As Usual. But, I mean, it kind of isn't. There's a lot of yeah. the changes in the first two uh, chapters. I guess this There's... first one is kind of business as usual. Not really. I mean, they start off with Knuckle Duster kind of not being around. Um, so, interestingly enough, mine's named Taking Care of Business, which I feel like fits a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, it's so you I mean, it begins in the, the rooftop penthouse uh, apartment. <laughs> yeah. Um, but condo, and, yeah, yeah, whatever we you still call don't this. really know what to call it. The shipping container, um, that Koichi lives in and that, uh, pop step and knuckle duster crash all the time. Pop step is just rewatching the, the like footage that was captured on video from the mall. And she's just really enjoying herself. She seems to have come out of her shell and not just like professionally or on a stage because of that, but almost personally, like, I think that yeah. she's a little bit more open, uh, in this scene and others, um, having, having had that that uh, experience. I agree. And I love the fact that she's kind of fanning over some fan mail that she's gotten, but that she's received it from the X-Men who have been like texting her. So, you know, it's kind of cracking me up because she's like totally obsessed about it. But even Koichi's like, why do you care? They, they literally talk to you all the time. Why does it matter if they sent you mail? And she's like, well, it's official. And he, I mean, he's like, well, what makes it official? I thought that was great. I also like that she really wants to show this stuff to Knuckle Duster. Yeah, she seems to see him as like a fatherly figure. I mean, not only is Koichi calling him master, but I think Pop's learning a lot from him too and, and just looking up to him in general. She mentions that nobody really knows who she is outside of Koichi and Knuckle Duster, so she has no one to show it off to. I mean, she can't tell her parents. She can't tell her friends at school. And likely they wouldn't believe her. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. She does have a very limited pool of people that know that that persona, that pop step persona is her. And so she wants to anybody who falls into that category of knowing that it's her. She wants to I mean, but they would already know is the thing. I think she's just uh, I mean, like I said, she she doesn't have many people that she can share this with. And 
you know, she's got to she's got to work with what she's got pretty much. Yeah, exactly. And then we get a return of some of the more interesting villains that we have encountered in Vigilantes. Uh, they are making a comeback. It is the three Sturm und Drang brothers. Did I? I couldn't remember if I had said this last time these guys were in the pages of Vigilantes, but did I cover what Sturm und Drang stands for? Do you remember I, if I did that? I don't remember if you did or not. I'll repeat it because it's been several of our episodes at least. Um, Sturm yeah, and this Drang, was like first couple of uh, chapters. I think, yeah, they were pretty early on. Um, Sturm und Drang is a German kind of phrase that means storm and stress. And when you think about that, given their special move, it, it fits <laughs> relatively well. And, and they seem to have like upgraded it a little bit here because they, they said that they've evolved their techniques and they call it the hyper tornado strip. Um, so there's your your storm uh, piece of it, of the of the puzzle anyway. And so it's still I flip, I strip. And then at the end, though, instead of taking off one unsuspecting victims under under ruse uh they strip multiple people including some males so at least they're not discriminating i know uh, that's what i was thinking too like at least they've they've decided that they're not just going to go after females that's that's nice yeah indiscriminate panty thieves is uh, is what they are now <laughs> and so they upset like i mean a mob of people there's dozens it looks of like them. there's like 10 or 15 yeah I mean, he's only wearing, uh, just on quick count, like a half dozen, maybe extra pairs of panties. And he's got them like dangling from his arms and the, he's a pair of boxer briefs on his head. Yeah, suit up. Yeah, gross. I mean, he knows where <laughs> they came from. Uh, anyway, I, w- I would be curious to know like what time of day. Like, do you do, you, you got to do this first thing in the morning for best best results, I'm thinking. Or, but, I mean, depending on how pervy you are, you do it at the end of the day for best results, <laughs> that's right? <true>. Like, <laughs> I think there is a legitimate market for that kind of thing in Japan, too, which is, uh, it is what it is. We're not going to kink shame on this podcast. Um, sure. <laughs> but yeah, they, they all start, the, the Sturm and Drang brothers are like, they have the same kind of uh, quirk that Koichi has. So they're sliding, gliding away and, and the mob is chasing after after them and throwing things at them. Uh, but they they roll up on another person. And I thought this was really strange too. Uh, I wonder what you think about this. So they roll up on somebody who has black hair and they mark her and, and they go to do the super move on her. But it turns out it's pop in a disguise. Why did she have to disguise herself so at all way, for this? I, as, I assumed it was like a trap. Like if it had been Pop standing there, they may have tried to run off and get away. But this sets them up so that way Koichi can kind of come in and trip them up and they would be unexpecting it. But I'm saying she doesn't have to change her hair. Marking, it, she doesn't even have to present as female according to the, <laughs> the well, panels right before this. I get the, the, you know, the duster jacket so that to obscure her, her recognizable costume, but she has on a wig and a hat and I'm like... Why do you need those things? All you have to be is human breathe a breathing human being in their vicinity, and they're going to want your panties. You're um, not wrong. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. Maybe it was just for funsies. Yeah, maybe she just likes to dress dress up. Remember, we're not king shaming on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, the crawler uh, comes onto the scene, and he does one of those. I'm the blankety blank. The crawler. I'm the man who trips up nerdy wells, but he doesn't. They all uh, like hurdle him. And so yeah. he pulls a 180 and tries again. And this time he's the man who doesn't give up after a single failure and they hurdle him again. <laughs> oh, <that laughs> and he just great. gives up, basically. He's just like, I'm all out of options. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty awesome. I, I really like Koichi's, like, just general demeanor here. He just seems so like, ah, oh, fine. This is just another day in the life of, you know? And then out of nowhere, Knuckle Duster comes down and takes care of all three of these guys. Like, one, two, three, knocks him out. They're uh, <laughs> getting their just desserts from the mob. The mob's like totally pounding on them. 
Yeah, that's my favorite touch of this entire scene, really, is that the mob gets their their revenge on the panty thieves. And they're they're just in the background with, I mean, multiple improvised weapons. That's the word I was looking for. And just wailing on them in like Looney Tunes dust cloud of dust style. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I love it. But that's not where this scene ends. The perviness only only goes up from here, actually. Uh, man, you're not wrong. And this is such a strange... Like, I, I didn't expect this. This was the last thing I expected. We get this scene of Pop Step standing on the ceiling. It's on the ceiling. She's standing on the roof. And uh, someone walks up next to her. And at first, I thought it was going to be the guy from the last uh, chapter that had the, uh, the spare bee. That it looked like it had the vial or something, oh, and he yeah. was like tossing it up. I thought it was going to be him, so I was like, "Oh man, they didn't waste any time, you know." But no, it's some other guy that is like he looks like Angel from X Men Two, and he strips. He he's only got like a jacket on, and he starts flying up in the air, and he has uh, a quirk named Swan, and I mean he knocks Pop off. He she's so shocked. He just f- keeps flying up, and then he pulls what I guess you would call his super move and it's called Icarus falling ecstasy yeah and basically this dude gets off by just falling he, he flies too close to the sun and falls and he gets off on it and it over it, a bunch of people yeah and, and and like listeners it's important to me that you understand that when we say that he gets off on it that is explicit in the text it literally says a yes. taboo technique that involves free falling from a great height it gets him off but it also adds, to be fair, uh, while psychologically scarring any passersby on the ground. And the the panel before that is explained when he's shouting out his super move, because that's how anime and manga works. Um, he, I mean, his his junk is is whited out with like a lens flare. Yeah, it's like the sun behind him yeah. or something. But he's it's pointed down like everybody in the crowd below them is looking up, clearly sees his mandingo. Um And there is some, they made some questionable decisions about how to draw the panels immediately after this, because in the panel that it says that he gets off, there are beads of something on the heads of many of the people below. And I understand that it's supposed to be sweat, but... But it definitely doesn't look that way. It kind of like, contextually, it could be read either way. Uh, I realize that this isn't that kind of manga slash anime. But I was like, wow, they made a choice there because they use the term get off and then show liquid on the the heads of the the poor unsuspecting victims below, including um, Koichi and in, uh, in Pop Step. Yeah, bold move, Cotton. Yeah, so uh, that was a decision. Um, anyway, Knuckle Duster wraps him up uh, and ties him to a, a light, uh, like a street lamp. And he seems to like that, too. But again, yeah, not King Shaman. It's so <laughs> gross. Well, okay, I say gross. The panels are just weird. They're, I mean, like he's kind of living so in this, his own like Shakespearean fantasy. This, this, yeah. uh, this Birdman. He says, uh, I, I, can, I don't even want to read this. Yeah, you don't have to. It's just he he tries <laughs> to everything that he says is like exaggeratedly poetic. Uh, and in the panel that Adam is struggling with right now, instead of being bound with like the same kind of tape that you would see Aizawa use kind of it's like these chains that are swirling around him all beautifully. And he's just, he just loves it. He says, monster thus, uh, that doth ravage my body. Thy name is desire. And, it, and it's just like, dude, come on. You gotta, yeah. you gotta cool your jets. Yeah. Knuckle duster's got him tied up like a spider man. Yeah. Plus just leaving him for the cops. Yeah. Biologically speaking, he wouldn't be able to enjoy his super move for at least another five to 10 minutes anyway. So 
<laughs> he needs that that rest time. Uh, but that is not where the perviness ends. It it only goes up from here. Uh, not the quite next as one high, is at least but... kind of. I don't want to say genius, but like <laughs> there's something about it that I'm like, this is funny. You know what I mean? It is pretty funny. I'll let you it take feels this like one. he would be a uh, like a Mortal Kombat character. There's this villain, and he's got this very. Uh, it's not Mortal Kombat that I'm thinking of. It's Street, Street Fighter. Fighter. Yep. Yeah. There's a, and I don't know the character's name, but he does that like horse stance, you know, and he's got the the like mini palms, yep. kung fu or something. And it's a guy that looks a lot like that, and uh, he's kind of in a horse stance, and it's showing that he's got six or seven hands here, and he's just saying, "Excellent, excellent," and all these women are running away from him. And uh, he says, my ultimate technique of the fist, when my lust for battle flows, I can touch without really touching, which makes this not groping technically. Yeah. <laughs> he kind of looks like uh, the juggernaut, but he's definitely using E. Honda's move from Street Fighter, which is the, e the sumo wrestler yeah. guy. Yep, that's the word I was looking for. And uh, Knuckle Duster must take him out with one punch because the next panel is just him on the ground with one fist up. Yeah, and In victory. The, <laughs> right. It seems like they're all ch being checked, too, uh, by Knuckle Duster. Like, he's probably checking their tongues to see if they're using Trigger. And it seems like they've noticed that the drug usage has gone down. Like, the people that are out here are just like your general pervs, your normal villains. See, I think I interpreted this scene um, a little differently because it wasn't Knuckle Duster who made the comment about checking their tongues anymore. It's Koichi. And so Koichi, I think, is is still in that in that habit. But I kind of read this as Knuckle Duster isn't, or at least that's how I interpreted these panels in the in the terms. Like he says, yeah, it's good for us to kind of be ready for that. But he's not checking it, checking for it anymore because he chased that particular uh, you know, line of clues to his daughter and has her in hand. So it's almost like, yeah, you know, I've, I, 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 I chased all that down. It's, that's a done deal, but you know, obviously you, it, it could still be a presence on the street. So you need to be ready. That's how I read that, especially because how this chapter ends. Yeah. knowing how this chapter ends, I could definitely see how that would be your interpretation for sure. Because it, I mean, it makes, it makes more sense that he's already kind of run down the villain he needs. He's gotten his daughter back. His, you know, his deeds are done. Yeah. And that's the end of this chapter is uh, Koichi tries to get him to come back uh, to the Skyrise apartment, the penthouse, and uh, he just walks off. He says he's got some other things to take care of. And then at the beginning of the next episode, episode 28, um, it's called What a Man Takes With Him. And the first thing that you see is that apparently Knuckle Duster, the first thing that he did was go up to the penthouse and leave his kind of head uh, wrapping and his knuckles on the bed. Uh, and Koichi finds them and has some questions. Yeah, he thinks that at first he forgot them, uh, but, you know, Popstep is just kind of like, well, why, why would he forget them? Like, didn't we just say goodbye to him a couple minutes ago? Like, why would he forget his stuff here? That doesn't make any sense. And so they're kind of questioning, like, well, why were they left here at all? And Koichi is kind of not upset, but he's just like curious about the fact that they seem filthy. And so he does this strange thing where he decides to clean them up, which I don't know. I thought that was kind of weird. It is strange. He's just trying to, he's trying to make Maybe sense of it. Maybe show respect or something. Yeah. And he thinks, I, I kind of read it too, as him thinking that this was some sort of test or part of some strange training that the <laughs> master might that. be subjecting him to. Like he says, yeah. hmm, leaving us a message maybe. And so he's like, maybe he wants me to clean these and that's what the expectation is. So I don't want to let him down. I'm going to clean his nasty, dirty knuckles that just punch a whole bunch of perverts like real hard. 
right in and about the face (laughs) that's Um, fair okay so he's he's scrubbing these things down and mikado rolls up on the scene and she asks actually um, after knuckle duster but uh koichi's not able to tell her when or if he'll ever come back uh so instead she goes and sits with pop and basically is just like hey um this this whole performance thing is going over really well here's some more fan letters here's some photos people are loving this video they're they're asking if you want to do another show yeah, and you know these last two panels here before we transition to the next scene, it's Koichi like really paying attention to Knuckle Duster's old equipment. It's kind of endearing, really. So we transition over to the scene with Soga sitting in the hospital room, and at first we're not sure who he's sitting with. Uh, he's watching just really intently, and an arm falls, and he kind of seems he's annoyed by it. You know, like he gets up and takes the arm, puts it back under the covers, and as he's trying to help out this this woman is like wide-eyed and it's tama oh uh knuckle duster's daughter and she just kind of looks at him and goes scary looking can't move my hand uh so she's just really i mean basic check-ins right now just she says you know my head hurts where's my dad and knuckle duster comes in and he seems really excited that she's awake uh he basically sends soga off and he's trying to get tama oh to eat and you know she's complaining about her head hurting and he's like yeah not much we can do about that for now except give it time and the whole time i'm reading this all i can think of is like dude you fished like a weird slug out of her brain with your fist (laughs) in the last you know, two chapters ago, and there has literally been a beehive inside of this woman's body for God knows how long. How is she even talking? But maybe she's got a heel quirk. Who knows? Yeah, it's it falls under that category of like, if you spend too much time trying to make sense of some of the anatomy and things like this, then it just, it breaks down at some point. Yeah. You know, that yeah. thing that he pulled out of her head easily was the side of the size of like half of her the the space between her ears. Um, so how much room is left for brain in there is a f- perfectly valid question, but not one that like, you know, you need to chase down to make sense of right, anything. Right. <laughs> People always say that we only use 10% of our brains anyways. Yeah. And so I remember I said that to somebody, I think it was my father-in-law and he said, well, if we only use 10%, then what 90% can you lose and keep functioning? And maybe it's a case of that, you know, <laughs> could be I'll I'll uh, I'll uh, allow that to stand as a no prize. And I like some other things about this scene, too. Like the first thing I noticed was uh, that uh, Soga makes Bakugo's noise when he stands up that little yeah. TCH automatopoeia. I like that a lot. Yeah, I do, too. Um, and he also has a very interesting and developing relationship with Knuckle Duster because Knuckle Duster says when he's leaving, obviously, he already has this relationship because he's sitting in the room of his daughter almost there as like a protective presence when he's absent. Uh, and then he says, I appreciate it. I'll call you when I need you. So it's not like they used to have this vigilante thug relationship that is evolved beyond that um, to a little bit of respect, a little bit of reliance, a lot of trust, I would say, um, especially in in the direction of from Knuckle Duster to Soga. So yeah. I'm curious to see they, they've developed it too much for it to turn into nothing. Um, at least I it would, would think feel so. weird. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it would feel really strange because he he almost treats Soga like he was treating Koichi at the beginning. So, yeah, it's strange. Um, you know, there's there's something more to it there to this pat on the shoulder to the I'll call you and I need you relationship between these two than just you're my lackey monkey chump now and you got to do what I say or I'm going to beat you up. Um, Absolutely. So I'm I agree. curious to see kind of where that goes. But uh, Tama O is I think she's uh, I think Knuckle Duster explains that she's on the good stuff, um, which is why she might be 
speaking in kind of short, broken sentences, but one of those Yeah, she's not all there at the moment. Yeah. Um, regardless of whether or not she has 100% of her brain, right? Uh, these these <laughs> right, drugs yeah. are working. And so she asks where mom is, and Knuckle Duster, his eyes kind of widen, and he looks off to the side, and he says that he just missed, that she just missed her, um, and that she can't see, he can't see her at the moment, but it'll be okay. Um, and he has this like mental flashback we see kind of inside of his memory of her being rushed down the aisle or, uh, or the hallway of a hospital on a, on a cart, um, nurses in a, uh, flanking on either side and her eyes are closed, but she does raise like a trembling hand and his eyes go wide. Um, and this based on the, the, uh, the damage, the battle damage on his shirt, this would have been like right after he initially rescued Tama'o because that's right. the spot where he, where she got him with the little claws, uh, that yeah, hole I in that shirt. Yeah, I just noticed that. Which makes sense because in the midst of that fight, he got a call from the he hospital saying call. something about yeah. his wife's condition. So it looks like she's being rushed into surgery, but I, you know, I've only watched so many episodes of ER, so I can't really speak to, <laughs> to that. Yeah, and he really is dodging the whole question on where mom is. And he says, you know, not now, you can't see her, but it'll be okay, no need to worry. I'm here. So, yeah. I, you know, I don't know. That's a sad scene. Uh, and, and then we transition back over to uh, Pop and Koichi. They're hanging out on top of that old building. And it's kind of strange to me. Pop brought in, like, a pegboard, it looks like, basically. Like, she's just, uh, it's a bulletin board. There. Yeah, court board. Yeah, they're going to use it for household needs. And she's like, no, I'm going to put pics and, you know, fan mail up. And then he ends up pinning up Knuckle Duster's stuff. That's kind of like an homage to him. And I, I really like what they end up doing with this. Um, but she pans up some of her pictures. And there's this kind of like, it feels like end of a chapter dialogue happening at the end. It's it's not dialogue as much as it's probably narration, I guess you would call it. Probably Koichi. Uh, and he's just yeah. talking about how you can't always rely on memories. Sometimes I still remember Master as being the man of the house in a way. He was only actually around for a few months of that first year. And so that's why I feel like between this chapter and the next chapter, there is a couple of months that have passed easily. But it's just kind of summing up like really the last couple volumes yeah and i couldn't tell if you know this this it's almost like future midoriya talking over my hero stuff um yeah it's that's definitely what it future like. koichi speaking here i don't know that it implies that you know when we turn the page several months have passed so much as he's saying we will we don't see him from this point for the next few months and the the next the beginning of episode 29 uh, could have been just a couple days later. Um, but it definitely is saying that like knuckle duster is off the radar for a while. And uh, reflexively, when I first read that, I, I didn't like it. Uh, and I, yeah. I still don't because I really, I, I like him. I understand that his story has kind of reached a place where narratively it makes sense for him to be gone. I mean, he's got a daughter and his whole life is in a hospital right now. Um, right. So I can understand him kind of being um, out of pocket for a while. Um, but I did like him as a presence. And, uh, you know, he he rounds out their group because, you know, he has a physicality that they don't. So I'll be curious to see how, like, if another villain shows up, how they overcome that or compensate for that. I imagine that other people are going to come into the fold at some point, maybe not to become like cornerstone members of the vigilantes, but I don't know. Um, like I said, it, it totally makes sense for him to be gone for a while. Um, and you got to respect him as a family man for him being so, but I'll, I'll miss him. I'll say that. 
Absolutely. He brings a certain energy. It, it's a lot like when All Might kind of took a back seat in the main show. There's just a certain energy that isn't there. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that brings us into episode 29, which is called Equipment Issues in the Production Manga. Um, and it does start off with a villain that looks like... Um, did, you, did you ever play uh, Dead Space? Yes, this looks like a Dead Space villain. What are they, what are they called in that game? I can't remember. I, um, it's been such a long time, I don't remember. But it kind of looks like one of those plus like Scyther from Pokemon or, totally, uh, or totally. uh, Kabutops. Is that the one yep. that has the crazy Yeah, Kabutops is the, uh, the ancient one, uh, yeah. or ancient, the fossil. Yeah, and I think this this villain that you're talking about right now pretty much immediately shows that without Knuckle Duster that they're kind of hurting because the crawler it shows up on scene and he does the crawler deal where he says, I'm the vigilante who dashes onto the scene whenever someone cries out for help. And then they do this quick breakdown of what a vigilante is as if we've never read the book before. So it's great. It's like uh, Stan Lee's way of writing. You know, if you've never picked up a comic book and you read it, you should know everything that's going on. I love it. So we've got everybody picked up. There's a great scene where they introduce the X-Men and the crawler like flees past him screaming help me and they're like oh hey what's up crawler and he says i tried to stop this rampaging villain but he's tougher customer than i thought so right off the bat i'm thinking like knuckle duster would just slam him from like up on a roof he'd jump off and this villain would be no more yeah and he he also koichi also explains that like He's also fast, so he's trying to do his like kowtow evasion, basically, and he can't get he away can't from this it. thing because yeah. it is also fast, and it totally ruins one of his costumes here because it slices some of the like all my hair spikes off of the hoodie. It totally does, and when it happens, he's screaming, "I'm gonna die!" Yeah. And X Men, it's the X Men guys say, "You kind of suck, huh?" <laughs> yeah. So Pop shows up. Uh, and she's making an announcement about the next concert, and Koichi's down in uh, the bottom left-hand side of the panel being like, you need to call for a hero with the police. This isn't the time for a commercial. Um, but she had already called uh, Captain Celebrity. Yep, he is on the scene, and he is able to take out the monster because, of course, he can. He's Captain Celebrity. And Koichi seems appreciative of it. I mean, he did save his life because there's no way Koichi was going up against the Kabutop Scyther dead space alien yeah um, <laughs> and and he you know it's funny because captain celebrity's like oh well i should be the one thanking you it's brave boys like you who preserve the peace in this town and i mean he's totally doing the pr stunt you know and it's funny because he he wants to talk to koichi which is a little off kilter for him so he takes him off to the uh, the old hangout and it turns out that he's just there because he wants to get away from mikado she's basically got his schedule so booked he can't breathe well, and he does, I mean, he does intend to have a conversation with Koichi, which he, he, that, you're, you're right. Like that's definitely his actual agenda or at least an equally weighted agenda uh, item because he sits Koichi down and he's like, you got to stop with this because yeah. you're, you're stirring up, <laughs> you're getting into dust ups with these villains that you can't handle. And then I get called and they become my problem. And Koichi makes a really good point here because he says, that's all perfectly true. He, he actually seeds that point because it actually makes his own point better. He says, but you know, not all of us are born with these her heroic quirks. So all ordinary citizens can do is help each other as best we can. And when we can't, we call in the pros. So he's doing what he should do. Um, he says, that's how quirk, quirk powered society should work it's all about this social contract but captain celebrity is not having it i think koichi makes an excellent point he is doing exactly how what he should be doing um yeah no i totally agree he, he did exactly what protocol should have been there so 
And what's funny is Captain Celebrity's not let him down. He's like, well, you know, it really is a pain. And Koichi just says, well, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's made his point. He won the argument. Uh, Captain yeah. uh, Celebrity is just kind of whining at this point. But like you said, he, he he didn't just come to have this conversation. He's kind of hiding from Mikado a little bit. And so Popstep sticks her head out from behind a curtain where she was changing and tries to get him to come to this next um, concert. And he starts whining about his schedule. He's like, you know, Mikado's got me booked up solid. I don't, I barely have a minute to breathe. So at least when you summon me, I get to take a break here. And he just kind of is laying his head down on this table, trying to catch a, uh, like a nap. But then uh, Koichi's phone rings and it's Mikado. And you hear, or you read uh, over the phone, her ask is my boss over at your place. And he's in the background, like trying to shush Koichi. And Koichi just says, he said, I should say no. Yeah, <laughs> and she great. like burst down through the front door. She yeah, was probably she was there standing already. outside the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. And then so Captain Celebrity tries to hide in where Pop Step is changing and gets smacked and threatened with another lawsuit. And he's just like anything but another lawsuit because you know he's had a bunch. Like that was one of the things we learned about him early on that Mikado is trying to fix is his um his seedy side. Yeah, he's uh, he's had to rebrand himself once already. That's right. He's got this crazy Pidgeotto hair. Like his hair in these panels are insane. He must use well, you know, I would say he so probably uses so much product, but he's probably flying. So maybe the wind is just naturally keeping it back. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely wind whipped. He, he he they basically Mikado's there because he has this commercial to shoot, and then she won't let Pop Step come along. So he basically picks uh Captain Celebrity picks up Mikado all Superman and Lois Lane like and they fly off. Um, and Mikado, excuse me, and then Popstep um, starts talking to Koichi about, you know, their role in society. And he, she's she's actually kind of starting to see a little bit of what Cla- uh, Captain Celebrity was saying. She says, you know, it's true. We do cause a lot of tr- uh, trouble for Captain and the others. Maybe we ought to stay away from some of these nasty ones. And Koichi is just like, they're, but they're everywhere lately. Like they're 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 coming up more frequently. They're getting stronger. And I don't know what else we can do, but our best, you know, and that involves intervening. Yeah. And he's talking about how the ones that have been popping up are not transforming back when they get knocked out. Like they're staying in this more ferocious state and they seem different than most of the trigger victims that they used to run into. So, you know, Popstep is like, well, do you think that they're actually villains? And Koichi is wondering the same thing. And he's he's really kind of bummed because he's like, well, it's hard to say with Master Gone. Like, he would have been the one that figured it out. And I feel like they've turned that uh, pegboard kind of into this, like, almost like one of those connecting dot theories, you know, is <laughs> kind of what it looks like. Like, maybe they're tracking the villains or something. It does kind of look like that meme um, from everything uh, sunny in Philadelphia. Or, yeah, everything sunny it's in Philadelphia. Al- it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Always sunny. Yeah, yeah. I've never watched the show, but I know the meme uh, you're talking about. It is um, It is raunchy, but it is super, super funny. It's undeniably funny. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard that. Uh, but Koichi is thinking about carrying a weapon now. Like, he's just kind of reflecting on all of these villains and how he wasn't able to get away. He's like, you know, for, like, self-defense, what do you think? And it shows Knuckle Duster with his his big, like, you know, hands up in the air with the, the uh, brass knuckles across his fist. And in the background, that's who we know is uh, Hero Killer Stain. And he, he's talking about wanting a katana as well. And, you know, Pop is like, well it's not really your duty to battle villains. Like it's kind of enough that we're freelance sidekicks as it is. I mean, we call in the the pros, the big guys whenever we need to. So don't you think it's taking it a little far? He's like, uh, yeah, I guess so. I don't think, you know, Koichi, his weapon choice has got to be very specific because it can only be one handed because of his three points of contact thing. Yeah. 
the knuckle, the the brass knuckles, I don't think would work because the the piece that actually fits between your fingers and your palm would interact or wouldn't interact really well with the with the ground. Um, if he did have to put his hand down, yeah, and you can't really drop those really quickly. All this man really needs, and if you if you've seen like Pet Cemetery, you ever seen that movie? No. Stephen King, where there's this gruesome scene in the old one and in the remake where somebody has like their Achilles tendon sliced right at the bottom of their ankle. Yeah, that's awful. But that's exactly what he's like. If he's a scalpel, yeah, a scalpel or or a very sharp, small (laughs) knife, and he can just he's already down there. All he has to do is make one swipe. It's non lethal, but it's completely debilitating, and he could just cripple everybody. Basically, (laughs) Um, I think it's reparable, like uh, like repairable. Um, I don't know. I don't think that's. I don't like. I don't think you get your Achilles tendon cut and you are completely fine you know, six months later or six years later. Like, I think that's a pretty big, pretty big injury. Well, I mean, like I said, I've only seen so many episodes of ER and Scrubs, so (laughs) I can't speak to the, like, the actual fixing it part. Maybe, that's fine. maybe, uh, you know, uh, the the kissy nurse can just kiss it and make it all better. I don't know how this stuff works. In in this world, it probably is easy repairable. You just go to, you know, recovery girl. Recovery girl. She gotcha. But I'm telling you, that would be devastatingly effective. One swipe. Down on the ground, unless you come think... up against somebody who's like made of rock or whatever, which is totally a thing in this world. Sure, yeah. I mean, if you come up against Kirishima, well, you're screwed. You know, that, right. that scalpel's not going to do anything. But to come up against someone like, I don't know, Momo or any of the other people that aren't going to have a hardening quirk, and they're, they're going to be hurting. But my thought yeah. is like, I can't see Koichi having the guts to do that. He'd do it once and immediately start throwing up. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, you're not wrong. I'm just trying to think of... What's the what is the most devastating and simple thing that he can do given his quirk and how he typically is mobile and engages people in what he, in fights? It's you go for that attendant. That's that's what you yeah. Do. What he really needs is something like uh like Batman has the uh the shooting uh grappling hooks. You know, like he could use something like that to be tripping people up. That's true, or just like a bolo. Yeah, yeah, something uh, like that. He really he, needs I mean, to get good with like a dart gun. Yeah, that would be funny too. Yeah, one-handed dart gun. He could do it. I mean, it, it definitely has to be one-handed. And for for all that, it it could just be a gun um, of well, some sure, kind, but that, not necessarily that, just that fires like lethal bullets. Quirk. But do what now? I said that I feel like that defeats the purpose of the quirk. It makes it too easy. Like he doesn't need to use his quirk at that point. He's got a gun. You know what I mean? It's, it's true. Maybe he's just a terrible shot though. He's only good from like <laughs> inside of ten yards. So he's he's always got like twelve magazines on him. Yeah. Listen, he his his entire approach to villains is I'm going to trip them. So why That's not just, fair. you know, make one <laughs> quick cut and it's done. There is no more running away. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You should have anyway. been his master instead of knuckle duster. Oh, no, I need to be nobody's master. <laughs> I would I mean, I would yeah, things would only go poorly. See if I would Adkins? wreck somebody's life. Oh, that's great. Well, let's I'm, talk about a chapter. I'm not to be trusted with students, says the youth pastor. <laughs> Let's let's talk about chapter 30. The opening scene, we see that bat creature from forever ago, it feels like. I don't yeah. know. Was this like, this had to have been the first first time we saw Ingenium, right? It was, yeah, in Vigilantes, I'm pretty sure yeah. that this is one of the first times we saw him and his uh, his whole agency basically at work because he's he's constantly connected to them. Yeah, and it, it seems like this bat creature is all chained up, and he keeps going, speed, 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 I'm the fastest, no one can stop me. And I remember he was pretty obsessed with that 
you know, forever ago. I say forever ago, 30 episodes. It's not, but it feels like it, man. Yeah, he the last so the last time we saw this guy, he was basically challenging Ingenium to a foot a foot race. Yeah. And ends up kicking Ingenium into a wall where he had those cool airbags deploy. Um, but then he ends up getting tripped up and stopped by the vigilantes in an alleyway. And right. apparently this dude harbors one heck of a grudge hard on. Um, yeah, because no joke. he comes out of this immediately. In, well, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but he gets out of this immediately incapacitates uh, Ingenium and then starts hunting down the vigilantes. Yeah. Um, but all it's we see for right crazy. now is him chained up in some sort of container. That's all we get. Yeah. And I don't think either of us mentioned it, but this was named uh, Investigation for me. Mine was cooperation request. Interesting. Okay. So it looks like they're throwing another Naru Fest. Uh, either that or they're prepping for one. Uh, it seems like Pop is up on stage. She's, you know, thanking everybody for coming out. Uh, they're prepping the Maru Kane department store again. Uh, and it's it's kind of strange because we've got a female character that shows up, and I did not recognize who she was for Me quite neither. a while. Now, why didn't you recognize her? Now because that you know who it is. she's clothed. Okay. <laughs> okay <laughs> i mean Fair i don't enough. know how else to say it <laughs> so i it took me a second to figure out who this was because she looks heavier set she does look a lot heavier set in this she's drawn much wider yes. than she normally is but not in every panel which made me kind of think that maybe this was like just the drawing maybe being off in a few panels or something that's true. I also thought this, like if if this particular hero, it's Midnight, um, if Midnight is wanting to be incognito, right, like not advertising who she is, she just wants to take a break and be a human being for a little while, the best way to do that is to wear baggy clothes and that's yeah, what she's totally. doing she's she's wearing like a uh like a dress but it looks like it's kind of like one of those dresses that is made of like sweater material so yeah, it's, like it's not, a huge sweater not even a dress yeah, it's not clingy and then she's got on a big like uh, a big jacket like a winter coat on over that um so i mean it's effective as a disguise for this person um, absolutely it is so and i got that but when the when i first was looking at her i'm like they make because she walks over and starts talking to aizawa yeah and he calls her a kayama and I didn't yeah. recognize that name. I didn't either. But then eventually it clicked that, well, on the next page when she basically starts having her little verbal orgasms um, about young children. And then I was like, oh, it's midnight, of course. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it's effective, uh, this this costume that she makes. Uh, it, it's so effective, in fact, that it throws, there's a, there's a moment later on where they're trying to figure out Captain Celebrity can't come. And so they're like, well, what other heroes are out there? Do you see any? And they look out, Popstep looks out of the curtain and clearly looks where uh, uh, Sukoichi is sitting along with Aizawa at midnight and says that she sees nobody, which is ridiculous because... Aizawa is literally dressed like Aizawa always is dressed. Always, yeah. So I was really shocked. Like, But maybe at this point, Pop doesn't know who Aizawa is. Like, Have they actually interacted with each other? Because um, Knuckle I mean, Duster has with, with Aizawa, but I don't know that Pop was there for that. Yeah, because they were running after the dude that had the briefcase. But I, th I thought that there, there was that when, the, when that confrontation first started, yeah. that, that they did share some space. But well, interestingly enough... Running around the three of them uh, is Teruo, who we yeah. know have has been arrested twice now, and he's hanging out with the X Men. He's permanently in his like new fish form. Yeah, the uh, the super size me form um, that uh, Aizawa incapacitated last time we saw him 
at the last Naru Fest or Narua Fest or whatever they were calling this thing. Yeah. But he's he's a part of the uh, the groupies now. He's got a pop step uh, jacket on and is hanging out with the X Men. I love and it. Seems to be living his best life right now. He recognizes Aizawa too. They kind of have this moment where they're like, "Oh, hey, I know you." Yeah, uh, Aizawa like. <laughs> It looks like he raises his glass to him a little bit. It does. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, and then this is a great moment here to even reinforce what we're saying about not knowing who Midnight is. Oh, so Koichi yeah. is like leaning in and shaking her hand like, oh, I don't think we've had the pleasure. And she says, it's me, Midnight. And he goes, oh, sorry, didn't recognize you out of your costume. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I didn't recognize great. you in clothes. Midnight. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Well, Sukoichi's there because he um, had performed some tests actually on Teruo. Um, and he says that this is like that he is a representative now of a whole other group of villains that they end up calling next level villains. Um, and he says that this is the second time we've arrested him, but the entire structure of his body has changed like inside and out. It's gone undergone this massive transformation. And so he thinks that it seems to have been like it's in this state, he calls it semi-permanent. Um, he says it seems to be at least semi-permanent. So maybe there's a chance that he will revert. But if that if that is a chance, it's not going to happen anytime soon is what he's suggesting. Yeah, and it's kind of weird because Aizawa is kind of understanding that he thinks that Teruro basically overdosed on Trigger, which led to this lasting transformation. But it turns out that that's not actually what they think. It's the opposite. Someone actually kidnapped Teruro and like artificially enhanced his body, along with you know maybe countless other villains. We don't we don't know how many at this point to basically be able to withstand much higher dosages of Trigger itself. So they genetically altered him to be able to make him get pumped full of trigger and i guess freak out yeah and a little bit later on kind of in the middle of some action that we're about to get into so we can go ahead and cover this too that that conversation continues and he basically says listen all of these quote-unquote next level villains they went missing for several weeks or even months leading up to their reintroduction in the public so we believe that their bodies were removed before or remodeled rather before being heavily dosed with trigger so essentially they were being they were groomed to be villains Uh, a criminal undertaking like this would require organization and so aizawa is like if if that's the case and they're still treating them like pawns then that means that some mastermind is pulling the strings that has some greater goals than than we're able to assess or deduce right now. And all of this is kind of pointing towards this being kind of um, the the beta stage of uh, Nomus. Is it Nomus, or do you think it's the Chia Hisaikai stuff? Because it, it feels closer to what the Chia Hisaikai's drug was. With their talk of bioengineering, that made me think Nomu. That makes sense. I think I've I've been kind of under the impression that the trigger was something that the Chia Saikai had been trying to figure out for like years and years and years and years. And what we saw in My Hero Academia proper was the culmination of that. And this was all maybe the like, you know, beta or whatever comes before beta, gamma, I guess, or something. I don't know if that's even a term for earlier beta testing and but. alpha would come before beta um but yeah i mean i it's it's kind of this weird melding of both ideas it is yeah um but it you know the way that they talked about it with you know this criminal organization which could be interpreted as the shia has like you're saying as well 
it also them talking about this bioengineering, which wasn't anything that we saw the Shia Hisaikai involved in. They were just shooting that drug up. That's true. Um, but it could be, it could be some weird meeting of the two because right now that what we know about the trigger in the, in this vigilante's timeline is that it's still in development. And so maybe, I mean, that guy that caught the bee, that one lone bee is in with the Shia Saikai. It's totally possible. Well, but now that I think about it, Erie was only like what, seven or eight years old. Like she, this is far enough behind my hero academia proper's that that particular storyline that I don't think the timeline makes sense that it would be the same guy. You know what I mean? Like it's definitely not the same villain and not the same drug because he was taking that from her. If I remember correctly. Yeah, this is, I think this is supposed to have taken place five years before my hero academia starts. Like, so maybe she's like two then like just young enough. Oh man, that's just, that makes it so much more disturbing, you know? Yeah. And when this will be something that I'm sure as we read, we're going to too many dangling plot threads around this talk about bioengineering and also that one lone bee being caught and trigger continuing to be a presence on the street for them not to fully flesh that stuff out in the future. Fair enough. Yeah. And in between all of this really cool stuff is some stuff yeah. about the fest, which I mean, it's whatever, like pops upset because Captain Celebrity couldn't show up. There's not a real hero, even though there are two real heroes out in the crowd. She doesn't recognize them. That's fine. She decides to use the crawler, which is really funny. Uh, so she grabs Koichi, throws him out on stage and he decides to start singing, which I didn't expect. Um, but there is a funny moment where uh, it seems like Tsukuichi is like, hey, that reminds me of one of those Naruhata vigilantes. And Oh, wait, no, never mind. My, my notes say he's the crawler. How confusing. Yep. <laughs> so that's great. Good uh, recycled joke there. I know. I love it, man. That's I love that. That's just a great joke. Uh, and it seems like Ingenium and Captain Celebrity are, are shooting their commercial. And so we transition to this totally, like, out of nowhere, it feels like. They're racing down uh, the the old, I was about to say alleyway. They're racing down the old highway that had been destroyed in a couple of chapters ago. And it has finally been finished. And they're basically shooting a commercial for its opening, I guess. Uh, but Captain Celebrity does a, you know, Captain Celebrity and doesn't like the fact that his hair is in his face for like two seconds. And they offer to clean it up in post, but he says, no, he wants to reshoot it. Luckily, Ingenium still has some fuel in the tanks and he's a nice guy. So he agrees to do a reshoot. Uh, and this is pretty epic because they get out there, you know, counting down. And as they are, we see that bat creature who's like chained up and he's got that visor on, you know. And uh, it looks like he he opens up on the highway and he just breaks out of those chains and goes right after Ingenium. And I mean, he's like right on top of him in a few panels, too. Well, and did you notice that the person who pressed the button to release him is the guy who caught yes. that, that lone bee? Yep. And um, he's he's excited about the reshoot, too, because it's giving him this opportunity. Yep. So he, he unleashes this bat man. Uh Man bat. This yeah. is totally man bat. Man, man bat is also a thing in Batman, though. And, uh, and man bat looks like this. <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, and he, yeah, you're right. He's he's all over Ingenium immediately. Um, but he actually like outpaces him pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, and Ingenium kicks on his jets, tries to grab one of his his like claws, and he gets like walloped, like kicked. And it says. The the guy, they're up on this highway, like you were saying, it was an elevated place, um, and he kicks him and he just says that he's going to fall to his doom, 
and all the last we see is Ingenium flying backwards and or down. Um, it's hard to tell with with the single panel that they provide us with. And then yeah. but you get a peek inside of Man Bat's head where he says now it's their turn and he's thinking it, it actually shows like a page from the previous manga, like where where he ran had the encounter with the vigilantes where the crawler tripped him up and then Knuckle Duster knocked him out. So he's like on their scent now. Uh, but Captain Celebrity is trying to catch him, finds that he he won't be able to actually overtake him. That this guy's speed has definitely been cranked up to eleven, and he's flying straight for the concert. Yeah, and uh, he's flying straight towards the concert because he can hear Koichi singing, and he imagine I, that <laughs> he wants to get rid of him. He's like he's freaking out about it, and so he scoops down like almost destroys the stadium that Koichi's up on, grabs Koichi, and takes off. Uh, and he takes off right over the two heroes that are in the audience. So I bet they're probably freaking out a little bit. You know, out of nowhere, villain shows up, and they're like, you know just trying to enjoy my day and here we are uh but koichi's off flying this was very reminiscent of when uh, midoriya got grabbed by that nomu that could fly that's true i I will say this to the man bat's credit he does refer to koichi as the crawler he's one of the few people inside of the entirety of this series that gets that right so good good for him that is true but to be fair that's probably one of the only times the crawler really beat a real villain so it makes yeah, sense that that true. villain would remember his name you know yeah. <laughs> and uh he's got him in a claw and is flying up but that time that it took for him to kind of swoop down and grab koichi was just enough time for captain celebrity to catch up to him so he just basically one shots him in the in the in the chest um and has got him slung over his shoulder and of course everybody's all fanning over um captain celebrity the three little girls that are there as part of the concert effort say the hero's so cool yeah uh, fawning over him but they also shout out good job koichi yeah yeah it was nice and then that is the end of uh, chapter 30 so i'm excited to see what happens but man i miss knuckle duster me too i'm, I'm it sounds like i'm gonna have to miss him for for a, a little, a little while um so that'll be a bit of a bummer and overall like these four chapters I didn't I didn't love them. I thought that this was a pretty pretty boring first half of a volume. Um there was a lot of Naruto like, Fest stuff that I just don't care about. Yeah, and we we struggled with it last time. So mm-hmm. when they were like, "Hey, it's time for the sequel." I was like, "Yay." And, I, and you know, facetiously, I was just like, "Oh joy, another another festival." At least they didn't spend a whole bunch of time on it. Um, yeah. like no the thing production is, is and like, whatnot. It's not that I don't like pop. I just don't care about the festival. Yeah. I'm fine with pop. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, uh, they, they do some develop, developing stuff. You know, you get the exit of Knuckle Duster, you get the reintroduction of, or the teasing of some future potential plot lines, you know, a reminder that this dude who caught that lone bee is still on his agenda, um, releasing this Batman for, for whatever his nefarious purposes are. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the pro heroes becoming sensitive to the same things that the vigilantes are sensitive about. So it's not like nothing happens, but also at the same time, no- nothing kind of happens in these four. Really, Yeah, it's exposition. So I'm hoping that um, we we see an end to that, a swift end to that in the next uh, four chapters slash episodes. But that's actually not what we're going to cover in the next episode of the AMP. Um, when we release another episode, we are going to be covering the two brand new OVAs. Um, so we have that to look forward to. If you haven't seen them, I know they're on Hulu. Um, they're only subtitled right now. 
Uh, and to find them, I don't know if uh, it, it seemed tricky to some people who I spoke with, but you go to My Hero and you go over to Extras and they're there. Uh, yeah, it's kind of in a weird place. Uh, there uh, there were two other OVAs in there as well. So, I th- Yeah, from uh, they were older, right? The filler mm-hmm. episodes yep. or something? They were, they were older, yep. They're called Make It, Do or Die Survival Training Parts 1 and 2. Um, so they're feature-length episodes. Not feature-length. They're regular-length episodes, 24 minutes or something like that. But there's two. So that's what we're going to be covering next episode of the AMP. We're probably going to label it as a filler episode since it isn't uh, vigilantes right now. Um, but hey, it'll be good to get back to some anime action, to some actually animated stuff, and to get back to, you know, My Hero Proper, which we've been apart from for far too long, in my opinion. I agree. I'm really excited for season five. Uh, but before we end the episode, we got to do our castings, man. I think uh, we had talked about casting Pop Step last week. We did. Shall I go first, or would you like to? Uh, go ahead, man. I, my actress, I, I really like her. I think she'd be great, but I think she's a little less well-known maybe so i'm interested in seeing who you have casted i cast millie bobby brown Um, okay i can see that she i know she can sing which is part of the reason why she came to mind i know that so there's this weird tension kind of right now in the in the manga because we've heard people say that pop can't really sing but at the same time she's had recurring gig requests which impl- implies to me that she actually can sing or she just puts on a really good show I yeah don't know. well but she can she can i think millie bobby brown can play dress down because she typically is that for um for stranger things stuff just you True. know more casual not real dolled up but i've also seen her dressed up and, and so you can make that really stark contrast between the modes of pop step with her um she's got good acting chops i've seen her in a lot of different stuff not just um stranger things like she was in that second of the new godzilla movies and, and did yeah well in that was those. a good movie yeah that was a really she, good movie you know she can be a physical actress if she wants um so uh, that's who came to mind i couldn't really shake it so millie bobby brown I like it. That's a good one. Uh, I chose someone named Tegan Croft. She was uh, the, well, I say she was, she is the new Raven in the new live action Titans series. Uh, She has been an awesome actress. I've really liked everything that I've seen her in. And I kind of had the same thought there where like, I felt like she kind of had that look where she could play both pop. Yeah. And you have to. Both of pops. (laughs) Yeah. Both pop modes. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Um, but yeah, I, I really like Tegan Croft. I think she would be a great one. Yeah, this was a tougher casting for me, um, in part because when it comes to casting pretty much any of the other um, My Hero characters, we've spent way more time with them than we have with Pop Step. Um, but, you know, I, I, like I said, Millie Bobby Brown came to mind pretty quickly, and I tried looking at other faces and names and personalities, and I just couldn't really shake her. So she's just, yeah, that makes sense. by brain bug default, is, is my casting for Pop Step. I also feel like with the other castings, we've had an anime to base them off of. So we've gotten a lot more like emotion from those characters because it's at least for me, I feel like I I get that their inflection and the way that they convey things so much better in the animation than I do reading it from the book. That's true. So we can kind of see that acting style, if that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, you get more personality with with movement and inflection and things like that, whereas we're having to have to read a lot of that stuff in there. And it's not like... It's not like the 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 uh, the the artist or the writers of Vigilantes are doing a poor job. It's just that oh god no by the merits of the medium that we're reading it in, there's less to work with than we have in the anime, which is fair. 
Definitely. So who are we going to cast whenever we reconvene for our next Vigilantes episode? So having the master list done, there are some glaring uh, missing castings that we haven't had from 1A, and one of them is Momo Yayorozu. We haven't done Momo? Really? We have not done Momo. So what do we say we do Momo next time? It won't be be during the filler episode, um, but next time we sit down to talk Vigilantes, let's cast Momo. Okay, I can do that. Yeah, uh, let's do Momo. All right, sounds good to me. That'll wrap us up. All right, we'll see you guys uh, here in a couple weeks for those OVAs. All right, see you guys. Awesome. Don't forget iTunes and Patreon. Go check us out. That's right, especially because there's a giveaway with Patreon that you can... By the time this goes live, you have like one day a handful of days to participate yeah. in that <laughs> it, yeah it might be one day yeah i think this will go live on august 31st which means that if you're not a patreon by september 1st you might miss out on a freebie so so get out there and uh, we we love you guys we appreciate it thanks for listening see you guys almighty podcast is brought to you by the back patio network you can follow us on Twitter at AlmightyPod or follow at BackPatioNet for all network news. If you enjoyed what you heard, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash BackPatioNetwork. You can help support the network, get access to early episodes, and lots of other great stuff. If you want to get to know us, come hang out in our Discord channel. We have lots of fun and would love to have you in there. My name is Adam, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheRealSimso, S-I-M-S-O. 